Um, we're going to jump right into it. We're still in our se- series, You've Got What It Takes. And, um, and you do, if Jesus is in your heart, you have all you need to do what he's called you to do. He has equipped you and empowered you to do what he's called you to do. Step into it. Step into the life that he has for you. And if, if you haven't placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, before the service is over today, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. And I want you to do that. So, um, with that, I'm going to read the scripture. Now, how many guys know, the Bible has some weird, it says some weird stuff sometimes, right? If you pre-read the scripture that I'm going to read today, you're like, say what? What hill? And, um, and it's going to throw you off a little bit. But that's what happens when you, when you read straight through a book of the Bible and you teach straight through it, which we're doing in this particular series. You can't, uh, you can't skip over. Is there a little ring in it? If you could just check, it'd be awesome. Thank you. Come on, give it up for our sound and technical team over there. They're awesome. They do a great job. Um, yeah, can I get an amen? Thank you, Katie. There we go. So I'm going to read this passage, and it ends on a weird note, but then we'll pray and ask God to help us, okay? All right, Joshua chapter 5, verses 2 and 3. It's going to be on the screen, or it's going to be in your handout as well. It says, At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives for yourself. Now that just sounds cool, right? You're in the wilderness. Make a flint knife. Sounds like fun. And circumcise the sons of Israel again the second time. Whoa. Look to your neighbor and say, whoa. Come on. All the guys said, whoa. You know? <laughs> the girls are like, whoa, what's wrong? What's, what's the big deal? Verse 3. So Joshua made flint knives for himself and circumcised the sons of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. Come on, we need to pray after you say something like that in church. Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your word. And uh, help me, Lord, to communicate your word and to, to uh, God, just produce a harvest in our lives and in, in our hearts today. Do something powerful in this city, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. All right. Tell the message is a matter of the heart. A matter of the heart. You know, so many things in life are a matter of the heart. I'm sure you've heard the term, a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. It's a heart matter, right? You might say it that way. But our heart is a powerful thing, and many times before we ever make a decision to do, to do something, before we ever take action in doing something, there's, there's something that happens in the heart first. There's a decision made in the heart. There, there's a giving of our heart to do something. And, and I was reading on, a, on a, even a secular site, you know, WebMD. And and I was, I was reading about emotional affairs. And many times women are more guilty of this if they have an affair. And, and, um, and, and guys, more it's the, it's the sexual side of it that, uh, that we see more often than not. But this idea of an emotional affair or giving your heart to someone is how they actually termed it in this article. And I was reading in WebMD, and they quoted a psychologist that said, um, she was asked, she said, is, is an emotional affair an actual affair? And she said, yeah. Essentially, yeah. The answer is yeah. Because when you give your heart to someone, she said, one of two things is going to happen. You're either going to have to end that relationship with that person that you've given your heart to, or you're going to end your marriage, and you're going to have a divorce. Why? Because it's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. The, the heart is a powerful thing and, and, and can be given away. And, and what God wants and what Jesus talked about over and over again is our heart. 
He said to, to religious people, people that did all the right things, they checked all the boxes, they did things right. He says, you honor me with your lips, you say all the right things. But your heart is far from me. Your heart, it's a matter of the heart. Man looks at the outward appearance. We want to see what's going on the outside, but God looks at the heart, and he sees our heart. It's a matter of the heart. So we're talking about this passage today. Wild passage. Let me catch you up just on where we're at with the children of Israel. God speaks to Joshua, and he says, I want you to go take the promised land. Take the land that I promised your people. And, and they say, okay, we're going to do this. And, and they begin this journey, and there's miracles along the way where, where God stops this, this river, and they're able to cross on dry land. And then last week we learned that they took these stones, and, and they stacked them up as a memorial so that they could go back. And, and they could say, and they could tell their kids, and they could tell generations, they could tell their family and their friends and their loved ones, they say, hey, this is where God came through for us. And we talked about our testimony and remembering the various times that God has come through for us in our lives and the power of our personal testimony, whether it's a salvation testimony or God's provision in a testimony, but, but pointing back and showing people, hey, this is how God came through for me in my life. Memorial stones. Well, well this week, we see that God has, has challenged him again, and he says, hey, the, the generation that came up that was in the wilderness for 40 years, they were in the wilderness, they, they need to go through the same process of faith that, that their fathers went through, and it's called circumcision. And it's exactly what we call circumcision today, okay? Uh, little, if you ever had a son, you know, about couple days after they're born, or the day they're born, they, they circumcise them, and, and uh, I don't need to go into any more details, right? We all know what circumcision is. Okay, okay, good. I, I won't go into any more details, but they circumcise them, okay? These were grown men. Oh, come on. These were grown men in the wilderness. No anesthesia, Okay. No putting you under with a rock knife. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And he, th there were around 250,000 men. That's why it said Foreskin Hill. You know what I'm saying? The leftovers from that act made a little hill, I guess. Hey, I'm just reading the Bible. I'm just reading the Bible this morning. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Hey. My job is to explain and interpret the scripture for you, okay? And it said foreskin hill. So that's just what it said. I told you the Bible's a weird song. See, you don't got to read weird novels. You can just read the Bible. Wow, okay. So where does this come from, right? Where does this come from? Why did they just willingly do that? Are you kidding me? Well, it goes back to Abraham, the father of our faith. And, and let me read a passage here of where this comes from. Abraham was the one that, that the promised land was initially promised to over 400 years before this. And in, in Genesis chapter 17, verses 9 through 11, it says, And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you, throughout their generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male child you shall be 
Every male child among you shall be circumcised, and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin, real specific there, God, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. God says, I'm going to set you apart by this indicator. Wow, that's kind of private, right? Kind of personal. But can you imagine being Abraham, right? Everything's all good. Like, hey, God promised me all this stuff. Like, we're going to inherit this promised land. It's going to be amazing. And God says, I'm going to be a father of many nations. It's going to be so cool. I'm going to be a dad of a lot of people. And he's going to bless me. I'm going to be wealthy. Come on. If God woke you up from your sleep and said all that to you, how many of you guys would be excited, right? Right? It's like, oh, keep going. Come on. Keep talking to me, God. You know, and you're telling your wife, and she's like, come on. I'm ready for it. Thank you, Jesus. I'll receive all the good gifts that you have for me. And you wake up one morning, and God's like, okay, the next step is you got to you know, be circumcised. Like, yes, exactly like I just said. I'm going to keep doing that motion. It makes everybody feel uncomfortable. <laughs> he says, he says, he says, I'm going to, I can't even help myself. Okay, okay. It just happens. Can you imagine, though? This is a sign of faith. I mean, today, we're like, hey, if you want to receive Jesus in your heart, would you pray with us? Can you imagine if we're like, if all the men in the room, if you would like to receive Jesus today, I'm going to be in the back room and we will pro- do a procedure with a flint knife, right? I mean, that, that was their step of faith. That was them saying, God, I give you my life. That's serious. Thank you. Come on, we can all thank you, Jesus, for taking it on the cross, right? Jesus paid the price. Jesus paid it all. Jesus did all of it on the cross so that we don't have to go through that outward thing it was never about the outward it was about the heart God was saying Abraham will you be obedient and I can't think of a wow you know of a greater way for God to say do you trust me right do you believe you're really hearing from me are you willing to do this are you willing to go through this and I I was praying about it and I thought let me read the scripture because the the New Testament that the age that we live in that, that Jesus died and paid to give us, rose from the dead to give us. It's the New Testament age. It's the second half of the Bible. And this is what Romans says in the second half of the Bible. Chapter 2, verses 28 and 29. It will be on the screen. It says, For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart it's a matter of the heart that of the heart in the spirit not in the letter whose praise is not from men but from God it's a matter of the heart God was always after the heart God was always looking for for men and women's heart he's saying will you commit yourself to me will you give yourself to me and I was reading this passage and in this and I was just like God for real what am I going to preach? I mean, I know, I know this Romans passage, and I know that, that I can bring people from Joshua and, and everything that went down there to here, but why? Like, just why? Why was circumcision the sign? You know what I mean? Why, why was that? That's so weird. It's so awkward. It's so uncomfortable. Why was that the sign of faith and trust in you why was that the covenant and I, I just began to think about it. I believe God gave me three thoughts with that and um, 
and this is kind of how I termed it. You might, you might want to write this down. You might not. To, to mess with a, a man's manhood, okay, is number one, it's extremely humbling. You know how humble those men had to be? Say like, okay, hey, we're going to take this land. We're, we're going to take all that God has for us. The first thing, though, before we go to battle, is we have to do this excruciatingly painful procedure because God said so. Like, and, I mean, think about that for a minute. God said so. Radical obedience. We're questioning God on, like, should we, should we bring our tithe? Right? We're questioning God, like, sh- do I really need a witness? Do I, do I really need to share my faith with someone? And these guys go through this procedure as a grown man. In obedience. Yes, Lord. Wow. But this procedure is extremely humbling. I, I don't think you do it for yourself. I think someone helps you out. So that, that's just extremely humbling, you know? Number two, it makes you very vulnerable. You're in a vulnerable position. You're in a very vulnerable position when, when someone is, is performing a procedure like that in the wilderness with a knife made out of a rock, Okay? You're vulnerable. And then number three, it takes tremendous trust. Like, who are you going to trust to do that, right? There's maybe one person you're like, okay, Dad, you got it, right? Help me out. Somebody close, right? With a steady hand, praise God. It takes a lot of trust. To trust somebody with that. And I was thinking, you know, it's the exact same thing with the step of faith that we take in putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It's an extremely humbling thing to do. To say, I can't, I can't do life my way. I can't live this way anymore. I can't pay for my own sins. I believe there's a God, and I believe that, that He created me for a specific purpose and I don't know what that is outside of him. I need him to tell me. I've sinned. I've fallen short. I can't make it to heaven on my own. I can't earn my way. That's extremely, extremely humbling to do that and to say that to God. Number two, you make yourself vulnerable. You say, you know what? I'm in need. I don't have all the answers. You're around other people. You need somebody else's help. You need another human's help to say, hey, I... I don't know what to do next. What is my next step? What am I to do with this, this thing with faith in Jesus? I, and, and you make yourself vulnerable. And you share your heart and where you're at and what your struggles are and, and why you need Jesus in your life. That's a very vulnerable position to be in. And it takes tremendous trust to do that. To trust somebody else. To trust a guy standing up here with a microphone in his hand, reading out of a book, right? But I, I really, as a, as a pastor up here, I'm living on borrowed trust. Because people that, that come in this place, they're your friends. They're your family members, and they trust you, and they're only giving me a chance because they already trust you. It takes tremendous trust. And that's why I believe that the most powerful way that we can witness in this community 
is one-on-one with our friends, our families, and our loved ones. Because your friends and your family members and your loved ones are more likely to be humble around you. They're more likely to be vulnerable with you. And they're more likely to trust you than me or, or someone who comes in town and stands on a stage and, and shares something. And God uses that and he works in that. But we all have a responsibility. We have to share our faith. We have to witness. We have to be bold in our faith. We have to reach out to our friends, our family members, our loved ones. And, and like I told you a couple weeks ago, I, I believe that this is an opportunity in our city. I, I just believe in prayer and, and, and by some things that were spoken of, as we've been able to go, Heather and I have been able to go and get encouraged by some other ministers. Tremendous opportunities that we've got to meet and, and have things imparted into us. People pray over us. And I believe that there's, we're in a time in our city, an open window, an open door that we can walk through right now. And your friends, your family members, your loved ones, that you've, you've gotten tired, right? You've gotten weary in, in well-doing. You've gotten, you've gotten impatient with trying to reach them and trying to, to share your relationship with Jesus with them. And you've gotten turned down so many times and you think, I can't do it again. I can't go through that again. I encourage you to try one more time. Try one more time. Try one, call him one more time. Invite him to church one more time. Share your faith one more time. Share what God has done in your life one more time. I want to, I want to encourage you. He's doing some stuff. I told you last week that we had uh, a young woman give her life to Christ in Galita at our Galita campus on Sunday night two weeks ago. And then last week, she got water baptized and, uh, and I know everybody's not able to go to those, but I want, to, I want you to see life change fresh again and uh, see how I almost lost her in the ocean waves. Go ahead, hit that video real quick, and we'll see Katie get baptized. All right. Katie, are you here today? I was like, come on, don't leave me hanging. I said that too. Like, don't leave me hanging. God wants to use you to reach those around your life. I met Katie here at Work Zones. We were just talking. Just got to encourage her. Same thing as you. You have people that you, that you work around. You have friends and family members. 
I'm telling you, I, I'm, I'm not just talking about this. I'm doing I stopped by a, by a business this week. I stopped in and, and just bought something just so I could talk to the owner. I, I hang out. I, I meet a lot of business owners and operators in town. And so, so that's kind of my peer group, and that's who I go and talk to. So I stopped by there, and I just talked to this lady. And, and she said, yeah, I'm sorry. I missed church. I meant to come. Don't know if I'll be able to come. I said, that's okay. And she said, uh, well, since you're here, you want to you pray for my son? So we prayed together. Isn't that cool? I think we all have those opportunities around us where we can reach people. We can reach out to people, and I know God wants to do it. And I know this as well. I know that I know that it's God's will for our church to grow. I know it's God's will for our church to grow. We all got to get that belief on the inside. That it's God's will for us to reach more people in this city. That it's God's will for us to, to see our friends and our family members and our loved ones come to know Him. I don't believe. I won't even say it because I don't believe it. You know what I'm going to say? I'm going to start saying, and this is what I want us to do as a church, is I want us to start saying over this city what we believe for this city with eyes of faith, not what we see. The Bible tells us that we walk by faith, not by sight. The opposite of faith is sight. When we give weight to and we speak into the things that we see around this city, the negative things that we see around the city, I think we just continue that cycle over this city. Why don't we speak things that aren't as though they are over this city? I was doing it this morning as, as we were praying for pre-service prayer. And, and you know, one thing about our city is that, that we, we, we kind of have a, a, free, a freeness, you know, in... in, in um, spiritual things and we can kind of on a whim make change you know my personality type might be more like the I personality type you know and there's a lot of a lot of us in town that we can just kind of oh yeah let's just do that kind of on a whim and jump into that well what if we're like that with the things of God what if we're like that spiritually we just say hey I think God wants to make this change God do it do it in me make that change in my life what about all the, the compassion that we have in this city for various nonprofits? And people are so excited about the, the nonprofit that they're about. And some are righteous and some are unrighteous. What if we had that same energy and excitement and effort about Jesus and about sharing our faith? That's what I see in this city. That's what I want to see in this city. I want to see this city rise up to the full potential that God has called it to be. I think we have a we have a misunderstanding of the sovereignty of God. And we think the sovereignty of God is that we just sit on our butt and wait for God to move. And God's like, I already moved. It's called, I sent my son from heaven to earth to die for your sins. And if, if I didn't do anything else for all eternity, you could just be responding to my love in that way. And Jesus says, I, I gave you, I paid the price so that you could have over 3,000 promises in my are we walking in all 3,000 of those promises? Because they're available to us. They're available to us. We say, well, if God wants to do it, he'll just kind of do it. No, no, no. Step out in faith. It's not a feeling. It's not a tingle. It's not a, I feel like doing it. It's a, you got to step out in faith. It's not, I see it. It's, I, I'm going to do it by faith because God's word says I'm going to do it. And I believe that God wants to move in a powerful way in this city. But we can't, we can't sit back and think that, oh, I'll just wait till God moves. No, God is waiting for us to move. He's waiting for us to step out when it's scary. 
He's waiting for us to step out when we don't know the answers. We don't know what to say. I remember God, God was kind of walking me through this time where, where he was saying, I want you to, uh, to begin to prophesy and give words to people, encouraging words to people. In the coffee shop, there's as they come, and I'll, I'll show you when and where. And, and it was like people would be highlighted, and I'm going to go say something to them, but I don't have anything to say. And so I'm like, well, I'm going to go to the bathroom. I'll go wash my hands, give, a, give God a minute to kind of catch up and, and give me something to say, you know? And, and, I, and I'm in the bathroom, and I wash my hands, and then the person leaves, and I go, God, I thought you were going to give me something for them. I'm kind of trying to figure this out. What's going on? And, and I heard the Lord say, you just got to walk up to him, and I'll give it to him when you get to him. What are you talking about, you know? Fast forward to a couple weeks ago, I was talking to a pastor that is able to, God just speaks through him very clearly in the prophetic, and I said, hey, I know God wants to do this through me, and, and I want to grow in this. How do you do it? And he says, many times I just walk up to people, I have nothing to say, God has just shown me I need to walk up to him. I begin to pray, and then God gives me something. I said, so you walk up, and then he gives you something? He said, yeah, that's how it goes. He said, it's real scary, but that's just how God does it. You know, sometimes whatever that thing is for you, you just got to step out, not know what to say, not know how exactly you're going to do it, but you just got to step out and do what God's calling you to do. You got to step out with boldness. The, the scripture says that the righteous are as bold as a lion. Let's go. Let's grab hold of that boldness that God has. Let's grab hold of that fire inside that God has for us. Say, Lord, I'm going to be obedient. No matter what the cost, even though it's scary, even though it's humbling, even though it makes me vulnerable, even though I've got to trust you in a way I've never trusted you before, that's the life you're calling me to live. And I'm going to live it. I'm going to do it. And what I want us to do, and this, this, this might sound kind of funny, but this is on my heart. And, I, and, and I, I'm going to ask that you join in with me. And let's do it. I can't do it alone, so you have to join in with me or it ain't going to happen. But... Um, but I'd love for us to have 100 people going to both of our campuses by the end of the year. So with our campuses combined, last week we had 65 people. So, so if we're going to reach 100 by the end of the year, that means that every one of us is probably going to have to bring at least one person that kind of sticks for us to average 100 people each week. But I think we can do it. I think, you guys think we can do that? Come on, you think we can do that? You think we can reach those people? Don't, how many guys have a friend or a family member, a coworker that, that needs the encouragement of God, needs the love of Jesus? We all do, right? We all do. I'm telling you, you just got to stop by their business. You just, you got to pull over. You got to make an excuse to go by there or just tell them, I didn't have an excuse. I just got to tell you what God's doing in my life. I just want to encourage you. I just want to, can I pray for you? Can I, can I do anything for you? But I believe God, I know God wants to grow this church. And I know he wants us to reach more people, and I know he wants us to step out in a bold way. Because the last two weeks, it's about our personal witness, sharing our faith with those around us. And I want to tell you, I want, I want to stir you up. I, was, I had a person come on my radar this week that I hadn't heard of before. Kind of embarrassing, because I've read church history books, and, and uh, I can't believe I... I Never heard of this guy before, but it was a man by the name of Evan Roberts in Wales. He lived in Wales um, in the 19, early 1900s, 1901, uh, 1902, right around there. And 
He was a coal miner from the age of 12. But he had a passion for Jesus. And, and one day he asked his pastor, as, as I understand the story, he asked his pastor if he could stand up and he could, he could just share what was on his heart. And uh, he said, okay, after the service, you know, I'll make an announcement. So the pastor says, you know, uh, Evan has something he wants to say if you want to stick around. And, and I think 14 people st- st- uh, stayed back to hear him speak. 14 people. Well, Evan shared his heart. He shared his passion. And that, that turned into the Welsh revival. And in three months, 34,000 people gave their life to Christ. In a country of, of um, some estimates say 1.3 million, another one I saw said 2 million. So one to two million people in that country. In nine months, 100,000 people had given their life to Christ. That revival would go on around the world. And one account says that in Atlantic City, when this, this move of God hit Atlantic City, uh, 60,000 people lived in that city at the time. And, and when the, the ministers left the town, only 50 people professed to not be followers of Jesus. But 59,950 people responded to the gospel um, through this revival. God can move in a powerful way. God can move in a very, very powerful way. I don't think he's done. His word says that he takes us from glory to glory. And I want, I want to read you what Evan Roberts said and what he shared. He heard an evangelist one night by the name of Seth Joshua was preaching. He heard the evangelist pray. The evangelist said, Lord, bend us. And this is what the Holy Spirit said to Evan. His, this was his account. He says, uh, the Holy Spirit said, that's what you need. At the following meeting, Evan experienced a powerful filling with the Holy Spirit. He says, I felt a living power pervading my bosom. It took my breath away and my legs trembled exceedingly. This living power became stronger and stronger as each one prayed until I felt it would tear me apart. My whole bosom was a turmoil and if I had not prayed, it would have, it would have burst. I fell on my knees with my arms over the seat in front of me. My face was bathed in perspiration and the tears flowed in streams. I cried out, bend me, bend me. It was God's commending love which bent me. With a wave of peace flooded my bosom. I was filled with compassion for those who must bend at the judgment and I wept. Following that, the salvation of the human soul was solemnly impressed on me. I felt ablaze with the desire to go through the length and breadth of Wales to tell of the Savior. And after that experience, over 90,000 people in nine months, or 100,000 people in nine months, in his country alone, would respond to the gospel. If you do the math on that, we have almost 39 million in California. And that was about 5% of the population if you take the, the bigger number of 2 million. That'd be, I think, 1.94 million or something like that. Around 2 million people respond to the gospel in our state if we had the same kind of move. And I think God does bigger and better and greater. Can you believe for that? Can you believe for that in our city? I think God can do that. I think he can still do that today. I think he can move in a powerful way. And here's the simple message that Evan preached Here are the four steps that Evan Roberts taught his people to do. He said, number one, I believe God's calling us to confess all known sin. Just tell it to God. Why do I have to confess it? God already knows, right? 
Yeah, but he just wants to know that you know, right? That you know that, hey, I didn't, I didn't do that right, God. I had to do it this week. I had a conversation with a friend. We had lunch, and, and I just got into my flesh. I was impatient with the person, and I shared it. Anybody been there? Anybody been there? Or I'm, okay, I'm the only one. It's okay. And that afternoon, the Lord said, you need to repent of that. You had a wrong attitude. You were impatient with that person. And you need to go tell your friend that you were having lunch with that that was a wrong attitude. And so I did. I texted him. I said, hey, I had a wrong attitude. I repent. That's wrong. But we have to confess those things and say, have a softness of heart. We say, God, move in my heart, even if it humbles me, right? Pastors don't do things wrong, do they? Yeah. We have to repent. We have to confess. Number two, repentance and restitution. If there's somebody you did wrong, somebody you stole from, return it to them. Number three, obedience and surrender to the Holy Spirit. Obedience, saying, God, not my will, but your will be done. Surrender to God. Lord, I need you. Even if it's uncomfortable, even if it's scary, I'm going to be obedient to you. Even if it means walking up to a perfect stranger and asking if you can pray for him. You know, I, I actually had that happen. I was walking in here the other day, and I tell you this because I'm telling you, you can do it too. It's okay. I, I don't know all your stories, or, or I'd share them. I know my stories, though. And just I think this last week or the week before, I was walking across the street, and there's a lady with a walker. And I said, hey, can I pray for you? And she said, she looked at me, you know. Everybody looks at me like that, usually, because I'm, I'm tall. And she looks at me, and she said, yeah. I said, well, what's wrong? Let me pray for you. I believe God can heal you. She said, okay. And so I prayed for her, and, and uh, I said, does it, does it feel any better? She said, yeah, okay. I don't know if she just wanted me to leave her alone. I don't know. She's like, yeah, I, I think it kind of does feel better. I said, okay. And then I went on about my business, went about my day. She went about her day. You can pray for people. You just ask people, can I pray for you? Can I encourage you? Obedience and surrender to the Holy Spirit. And number four, public confession of Christ. You know how many people I have come up to me? I go to the Chamber of Commerce. I go to, the, to where the business owners and operators, local business owners in town, go. And, and one morning I felt prompted to, to sing Amazing Grace. For my, you get a 20-second commercial. And I, I just stood up and, and I sang Amazing Grace. And I used to be in choir, so... Um, so I, I can sing a little bit, and so everybody was just like, oh, that was so cool, you know, that you sang for us, and, and that's awesome, and, um, and afterwards, I had Christian people come up to me, business owners in town, grown, I'm talking grown adults, 40, 50, 60-year-old people, should be confident and secure in who they are, right, and they come up to me, and they go, hey, hey, just want you to know, I'm a Christian too, you know, and I'm like, why are we whispering? You know what I mean? Why, why can't you just say you're a Christian? It's okay. Why can't you say you're a follower of Jesus? Why can't you say Jesus, Jesus changed my heart, man? And he can change yours too. And, and, uh, and let, let me love on you and encourage you. And tell them what we're about, right? Why don't we give Jesus the chance to change people, right? I think too many times we just give up on them. We say, well, they had their chance. I shared with them at Thanksgiving in 1997, right? No, 
Come on, look at, look at that prayer of, of Evan Roberts. He said, God, bend me. He said, God, I, I, I want to I bend my will to you because I know that there will come a day where all of us will bend our will to God. And I pray for my friends and my family members and my loved ones that don't know Jesus. And on the judgment day, they're, they're going to they're gonna have to give an account for that. And he was so torn up inside because of that that he said it wasn't hard to share my faith after that. It wasn't hard to tell people about Jesus. It wasn't an inconvenience, right, to stop when you're on the way somewhere else, to stop by a business and say, hey, how are you doing today? How's your family? Can I pray for you? Have I told you about Jesus and what he's done in my life? It wasn't an inconvenience in light of eternity. In the eternity that, the, that our friends and our loved ones are facing, we've got to share our faith. Like the cliche says, we may be the only Bible they ever read. We may be the only Jesus they ever run into, right? What are, we, are, are we representing Jesus everywhere we go? Are we encouraging and loving? Are we giving God a chance to work in their life? Or are we just kind of writing them off as it's too late for them? They've messed up too bad. There's only two lines for humanity. There's the perfect line and there's the imperfect line. And there's only one person in the perfect line and it's Jesus. The rest of us line up in the imperfect line, right? And we need what Jesus has to make us perfect. We've got to share our faith, friends. We've got to share our faith with our family members and our loved ones. There's a mandate on us and I believe it's an open time right now. I'm going to ask the band to come up and and we're going to sing that song with everything again. And what I want to do is I want to pray for you because I believe the Scripture says that, that to him who much is given, much is required. And I believe that over the past few weeks, I've just had some amazing opportunities. Some amazing opportunities. And, and I don't say that. I, I say that very humbly. I, I'm amazed at the, the people, the men and women of God that, that I've got to just walk up to and and have them bless me, and have them encourage me, and have them pray for me. People that have ministries that go around the world. People that, that preach to huge crowds every week. People that have the leaders of the biggest churches come to them and call them pastor. And they talk to little old me in Santa Barbara, California, right? Little church plant. They say, keep going. God's going to do something. Let me encourage you. Let me, let me lay hands on you and pray for you right now. And I believe God has done something in my heart. And in, 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 my, in my guts, you know what I mean? There's a fire on the inside. And, and I want, I don't think it would be right if I didn't pray for you and, and try to impart the same thing for those that want it. I, I want to lay hands on, on whoever would allow me to pray for you. And I believe that there is, with the laying on of hands, there's an impartation. There's a transfer of whatever good stuff God's doing inside of me, I want Him to do it in you too. Is that cool? Does that make sense? I believe God can do it. And so, let me pray that the band can go ahead and, and get going. If you want to stand to your feet...
just empty, empty your hands of anything, any distractions, anything that might keep you, keep you from receiving all that God has for you. And, and I, I'm not saying this is for everybody. I'm not, this is for who wants it. It's not about being in a pastor or wanting to be a pastor or wanting to be in, or anything like that. If you want that, great. But, but this is for anybody and everybody that says, I want God to use me. I want, I want whatever God is doing in the lives of these ministers that, that are used all around the world. I want that in me. I want that for Santa Barbara. I want that for my friends and my family members. And friends, I'm doing this by faith. I don't know what God's going to do. But I'm just going to be obedient and invite you. And, and I just want to pray for you. So, so we're going to sing right now. I'm going to pray here in a minute. And then as soon as I'm done praying, I don't want you to hesitate. I don't want you to hold back. If you, if you want me to just pray for you, it's going to be quick. If you want me to pray for you real quick, for that passion and that fire and that boldness to share your faith, and to be a witness in this city. And I just want you to come forward and I'll, I'll pray for you guys as fast as I can and we'll continue to worship. So let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. I thank you for, for what you've done in me. I thank you that you found me faithful, Lord God. But God, I don't want to keep it to myself. I know that you are no respecter of persons. But that God, you will do it in every single person in this room. God, I ask that you, you, you light a fire on the inside. That you place a passion on the inside of every person that receives prayer. Give them a boldness in Jesus' name.